Hi, I'm Fiona Lee Maynard and you're listening to Radio Carum, which is what I do whenever I'm anywhere near Seaford Carum High School and Eel Race Road. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast. A real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is Asha Karan the director of the Life Rocks Foundation, an interactive earth science platform designed to help children lead healthier, happier and productive lives through becoming connected to nature. Asha is an expert in human health, development and education and provides quality information to parents and teachers to improve parenting, teaching and childhood development. Asha's most powerful experiences as a child were all involved in nature, experiencing the contrast between a public education devoid of nature connection and then a Steiner education rich in nature connection left him with strong impressions of what is most important for learning and life. On his quest, he has studied holistic health, human development, kinestology, business, media and natural sciences and if all of this wasn't enough asher is also an integrated movement specialist level two and holistic lifestyle coach level two as well with the czech institution that's the c-h-e-k institution and has recently published two books connecting children to nature the essential guide for parents and teachers and The Soil Big Book, an illustrated book on soil science. After meeting geologist John Roundtree in 2006, he was invited to join the Life Rocks team. John, seeing his passion for earth science education, quickly made him CEO. Since then, the team and Asha have evolved Life Rocks into a not-for-profit foundation, always working hard to bring joy, education and nature to children, parents and teachers through fun, scientific and interactive experiences, media, books, games and workshops. Asher also records the Life Rocks podcast where he interviews other passionate leaders in childhood education and development. This podcast provides a platform for those interested in helping the future and current generations thrive. Hi, welcome, Asha Cloren. Have I said that right? Yep, doing well so far. That's cool. Great. Okay, I'm winning. Hi, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Claire. How are you? I'm doing great today. I'm actually oh. in the loft of my old family home, just visiting. Oh, wow. It looks awesome. Looks great. If nobody can see this, but it's got like a lovely wooden ceiling and definitely looks lofty, I have to say. But Very um lofty. it looks lovely. Looks better than my fake bookcase behind me. <laughs> um, but that's okay, that's cool. So look, um wow, it seems like you've been on a bit of a journey. Um mm. 
with what I was, uh, you know, what I've said in the intro, but like, tell us in your words, like, how did you get to this nature and playing with soil malarkey? Yeah, well, it definitely was quite a journey. I think the origins of it was that I've been to a bunch of different schools over my life and moved a lot to a lot of different spots. So, born in Sydney, wow. spent spent time in Campbelltown, ended up moving to the country, and then in the country moved to six different spots in the country over the course oh of my gosh. schooling years, plus four schools, two public, one Catholic, and one Steiner school. Wow, that's the whole gamut. That's the whole gamut. And and these, like your parents weren't like running to escape the police, were they? <laughs> this is due to their job, wasn't it? It was kind of part to do with their job and part to do with their awareness around the situations they got in. So they had a family in Sydney, realised that the rat race wasn't where they wanted to be. So they Fair tried enough. to move a bit out of the city. They got to Campbelltown and realised Campbelltown was just super kind of bogan and redneck kind of town, to be honest. Sorry to people living in Campbelltown, but- Yeah, sorry to that, true. guys, but hello. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so a bit of sort of neighbourhood trouble around there made them go, oh, hey, we've wow. got to get the kids out of here. Yeah, we've Once got they, kids. Yeah, they saw the prison um, kind of type of fences going up around my school with the barbed wire, and they thought that's no place to do a, yeah. do school. So Time to go. Yeah, and then it was to the Steiner School, and from there, all of these nature immersion experiences wow. uh, really were powerful impacts on me. Where we'd go out from year three onwards for basically a year into, oh, sorry, for a week into the wilderness. We climbed mountains, we went to the snow, we did canoe trips, and yeah, they left an impression on me so much, so much so that once I got lost in them, in the world of uni and um sort of not really knowing what i wanted to do with my life i was partying a bit too much and playing in my band and not really studying and it hit me all at once oh nature is actually what i like and fa and family and values and you know we've only got one shot at this life so i've better pull my socks up and go and figure out what that is so I that's when I decided to go the nature pathway and start learning all the things, learning about holistic health and nature and plants and earth sciences, all the things that make us human and make life on earth sort of enjoyable. Wow. Well, exactly. And it's all really, really important. And um, it's quite it's quite interesting because the reason I got the reason I got you on the podcast is because at this um, is quite close to my heart as well. And I actually um, just trying to think, because I know you mentioned the geologist, or I've mentioned and you met the geologist John Rantree, but I've been watching a program. Mm. It's so mainstream, but there we go. Shoot me. Um, the uh, <laughs> Zach Ethron um, program. And I think, is it Bruce, Bruce Pascoe? Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it's Bruce Pascoe. Um, it's a um, gentleman on there, and he basically is is like based looking at we need to look after the soil that we've got and things like that because um, if we don't look after the soil, 
then it's we're just going to we're not going to be around in 20 20,000 years time or even a, th- a couple of thousand years time right if we don't look after yeah. what we've got in the soil if we don't look after nature and we don't actually um live our lives as though we are a creature on this planet like apes yeah. like gazelle like cows sheep whatever right and we actually yeah. get off this ego trip that we've on then we're not going to be around. We're going to make ourselves extinct. Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, that's that's sort of the big message nowadays: is that we're not doing the Earth justice, we're not doing our environment justice. We're going to wipe ourselves out. I mean, the planet will be fine in terms of it's got its own time scale and evolution going on. That's well, it's going to wipe us out because then it can then breathe again and it will grow and it will continue and it will do whatever, but it needs to kill us off because we're killing it. Yeah. So, you know. Totally. It makes sense, really. I mean, that's what you would do. It's like in a war with us. Instead of in one with us, it's in a war with us. So, wow, okay. So, look. But just on that, just on that with soils, and I think that soils are fascinating because there's so much life in there that we don't really know about. Most of it's microscopic, so we never see it. Exactly. We dig it up and we go, yeah, that's cool. It's brown and it's dirty and let's go somewhere else, do something more exciting. But really, science has brought all of this biodiversity to life and it's fascinating, but it's really obtuse and mysterious to a child who, you know, just enjoys playing in the dirt but doesn't necessarily know what's in there and all of this sort of stuff. So I like that you brought up Bruce Pascoe. I didn't know that he was on Zac Efron's show. I've I've watched he's an not, episode or two great. of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. Oh, you need to get further through it then because he's further through it when he's talking about but because they do um, an episode on fire. Sorry, this is a great advert for you, Zach. So sorry, yeah, mate. Get it out there. Um, but like they do on fire and then they go um, into Queensland and actually look at um, the Aboriginal lifestyle right. and basically, you know, fishing and stuff like that, which, which I just thought was awesome because, I, you know, I mean, the Aboriginals get such a um, a bad rap in within Australia and I'm glad that they're – they're getting this publicity further afield and people are actually understanding a little bit more about the culture. And I think really um, as Australians, and I'm not Australian, I'm a citizen, but I'm English, right? But I think we need to look at what they have done. Yes. Their burn-off policies, you know, they actually burnt the land off. So they didn't get bushfires. And I think a lot of people now are like coming around to their, you know, what they they want to do and what the when you know their medicine like there's so many medicines out in the bush yeah. right and there's like the bush is there to supply us with so many things mm. just don't know so you know it's incredible and the book that by bruce pascoe is fascinating dark emu isn't dark emu that's right dark is actually read. on the program oh i'm i'm like i went right note that down dark emu need to read that one yeah yeah. It would be a game changer if that got into schools because basically oh, really? it highlights that the Indigenous cultures living here were living this land, living on this land in such a way that they ran it like a giant parkland and they created an abundance of food in the way they managed the land and that it was so subtle, their way of managing the land, that to the outside eye, it just looked like they were living in a natural paradise, but they'd actually facilitated this natural paradise through methods of yeah. 
animal population control. So they'd only take a certain size animal. They'd only take Correct. a certain size plant. They'd monitor the populations and they'd have all these methods that made it there to be this abundance of food. But and then I'm really sorry, everyone out there, but we, the horrible English, came over and decided to invade um, and bugger it all up for everyone. So um, I apologise from my ancestors to yours because, um, yeah, it's just, well, you know, there's a lot, I, yeah, there's a lot of people that the English need to apologise to. <laughs> we just raped and pillaged the the earth in various you know and so many different countries oh. india australia africa you know we just yeah yeah we were greedy buggers and you know and we all did it for religion and all of that stuff as well so we won't even go down that rabbit hole yeah but anyway okay so but was there a turning point for you where you went oh yeah i like all this nature stuff was there a turning point did you get to a point at, in college or like in your band or whatever where you went I can't, I just can't do this. I can't sustain this anymore. I'm knackered. I'm whatever. Like yeah. what happened? It was a turning point for me. And actually I became quite depressed at uni. I oh, wow. didn't really know what was going on, but I went through to the normal doctor scenario of, Hey, I'm feel like my brains are scooped out and walking around like a zombie. What can you do for me? And yeah. they go, well, I'll fill in the forms and here's a little pill and take it once once a day for a month at yeah. the same time i went home to recuperate and spoke to my friend's mum who's a midwife and a bit of a healer and she said hey asha you know the way you eat affects your mental health oh and definitely it was like a light bulb i was like that sounds true i haven't thought of it like that before what would i do she said just don't eat anything it comes out of a packet cook all your own food and stop eating grains for a while I said, that, well, yeah. that sounds easy enough. Did that. Two weeks later, I felt like a new human being. Like it literally. Wow, really? It, it switched something on. Yeah, totally. And I just thought, if this is how much better I feel after two weeks of doing something so simple, so natural, how far can I take it? And how far does yeah. this rabbit hole go of natural health and healing and sort of feeling and changing your own state? I became fascinated by that. And I knew at the time my mother was sitting at home on the couch, medicated and suffering oh, no. deeply from arthritis and Hashimoto's. And I thought, well, if I can change my own health, maybe I can help to change mum. So I moved home. I started an organic juice and smoothies business. Wow. I started gardening with a landscape guy in all of these big, beautiful estates in, in the Southern Highlands where I'm from and yeah. helped mum with her health and within two months of working together on it. She was off her medication. She'd lost eight kilos. She was not suffering with arthritis anymore. So yeah, it got the ball rolling for me. And that's when I studied holistic lifestyle coaching. I studied permaculture. I studied the healing, healing arts. So you sort of, so what were you studying at college when you went or university when you went originally? I was doing digital media production. Wow. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then, and so you dropped out of that. Yep recuperated cleaned yourself up as such yeah. right and then and cleaned your mum up yep. which was great good on you um got out my son but yeah <laughs> um and then um and then you went back 
to college, did you, or university I, and studied all of this? I actually joined the Czech Institute, which is Corrective Health Exercise and Kinesiology Institute. Wow, okay. And did holistic lifestyle coaching through them and integrated movement specialist, which is basically- I was going to say, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically looking at human patterns, human movement patterns that we yeah. would naturally have to do in a natural environment to survive in a natural environment okay. and restoring them to the modern human and assessing posture through lots of different measurement techniques and coming up with pers really personalized programs that help to wow. rehabilitate um, the body. Yeah. Well, because we're not destined and I'm real culprit of this because of my job, we're not destined to sit on our bums at a desk looking at a screen mm. all day and i think half of that is led to neck and back problems and shoulder problems and also um eyes as well yeah. we because we're looking at a close-up screen all day eight hours a day right which is not what our eyes are supposed to do they're supposed to be looking around and looking out mm. that's why we get so short-sighted and we you know can't see long distances because we're training our eyes to look at a screen all day 100 i know that's affected me yeah so. no and i've worked with myself on that other clients who have yeah got eye pain eye tension and wow. neck pain neck tension and yeah, often it, it all it takes is a walk in the woods with a dispersed, relaxed eye engagement. So it's a different way of looking. Um, it's found in all indigenous cultures is this practice of disperse awareness when you're in the woods. And it's good for hunting. It's where you relax your, all your eyes and you let in the peripheral rather than there being a single point of focus. What that does to the nervous system is it actually stimulates our rest and digestive system and slows our heart rate and makes us more relaxed so in the modern environment where we're taught to you know we're look we're reading we're watching we're looking at signs we're reading watching numbers TV. watching tv it's all that very netflix ipads you know all of that malarkey mm. it's all close up isn't it close up and focused right yeah mm. Yeah. And so what you're saying, and I, I got to say, like going for a walk and I try and do it, I don't get it done every day, but I try and do it every day is um, just going for a walk is so relaxing. Mm. If you've got a stressful, like if you're writing a document, like I've got write documents for my job and various different other things, or I've been in a stressful meeting, I just go, right, that's it. I'm just going out for half an hour and you just go out and it's such a different life, yeah. such a different life. So, okay. So then taking everyone along on this journey right of where you've <laughs> Into been the woods. so so how did you meet the geologist mm. john roundtree then mm. how come was that all through what you were doing and and then he said hey come along and join <laughs> life rock the life rock team in the journey yeah it it was it was very synchronistic and serendipitous i had this motto basically from 19 onwards that knowledge is wealth and that i didn't really want to focus on finance or funding myself because i knew that if i focused on what i was really passionate about which was the knowledge of earth and the knowledge of self then i would meet someone who would you know have the funding or have that sort of monetary side of things and we'd be able to collaborate and essentially what happened so i was working part-time wow. as a health 
coach and movement coach. I was running a permaculture team, running uh, planting an entire native forest in Fitzroy Falls, Australia, working with about six other guys that I employed to plant this forest. Wow. And working one day a week at a whole food store, the local organic shop where I'd great place to meet clients, great place to make coffees and chat about life and meet fascinating people. It was a really great watering hole. And John would shop there a lot and we'd always oh, chat. okay. We'd always chat about plants. And I think this one day I said to him, hey, John, did you know that pine trees in Australia didn't don't reach their growth potential till they've been inoculated with a certain fungus? And that early pioneers found out they had to bring over this one mushroom from Europe and inoculate the forests of pine here, the plantations here with it, to allow them to grow their next 20% of growth potential. And they cannot reach it without this mushroom. Wow. And, and he said, that's fascinating, Ash. You, you seem to know a lot about soils. Do you want to help me to make a kit for some kids? And I thought, yes, let's do that. And that was the rest was history. He loved the kit. He said, you know, I want you to run the company. I'm an old guy, you're a young guy, but we share the same passion, which is paying it forwards to future generations, paying it forwards to, to the little ones that didn't have the sort of knowledge around them or whatever that made them feel connected to the earth. Because unless there's someone cool in your life that can point out the magic that's all around us. Sometimes it goes unnoticed in the world of screens where there's always something to entertain you, but is there something always to train your mind to look at things in, in a curious way or bring things to life? Well, it's, and also the stuff on the screens is like fake gardening. I mean, oh my God, Minecraft is a fascinating yeah. world to disappear into. <laughs> Even for me, I play my son on Minecraft. I, I say I play my son on Minecraft. I think I frustrate him on Minecraft because I'm always <laughs> knocking stuff down or chopping stuff or breaking windows or killing <laughs> animals or doing something that I'm not supposed to have yeah. done. But anyway, um, but it's not like getting out there and, and getting them to understand. They run around and they delve in this dirt and stuff like that, but it's they don't fully understand about it. And it's great. I mean... My son's school, he's seven, and my son's school actually has its own little garden. So they're growing mm. carrots and broccoli and stuff like that. So they actually right. know where the hell all of that stuff comes from. Um, and they sell it and the funds then go to the school. So that's awesome. Cool. So um, maybe we should get you in to or have one of these soil kits, soil kits yeah. sent so that um, the teachers can then um, – Give a little chat on it. So, okay. So you met John in a health food mm -hmm. store. God love him. And <laughs> um, and just explain, because some people might not know who John Rowntree is, right? Who is yeah. he? Sure. So John is a Canadian geologist who had a career finding mineral deposits all around the world, gold in Australia, wow. tin in Greenland, copper in Canada. And various locations like this and his passion was really getting out in the field and just discovering these sources of you know natural natural resources and he'd put together teams of curious characters to come come and find the um the mineral deposits and he's got all of these great stories about 
you know, the mystery of the finding the deposit and how it happened and um, all that sort of thing. But he realised, essentially, he realised that his career had been spent fueling commercial activity and fueling capitalism and he wasn't very proud of himself in that in that line of respect of, you know, doing that. And he, and he wanted to give back to the earth because he's such a great-hearted and generous man just naturally. So I think it the, this kind of mission or this legacy work just flowed out of him naturally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, okay, so you then met up, uh, met up with John and um, you talked about or you you then created soil kits what like for yeah for this so okay so i need to go back let's go back a little bit what is so did you then create life rock or life rocks with john or had he already got that established sorry i'm he he started the name life rock right. which i think is is awesome which is an awesome name because life does it's rock. an awesome name life rocks yeah so it's kind of already my my philosophy about life and then he said i've he he'd already created kits on metals crystals oh, okay sea life fossils volcanoes and he'd run prototype trials in 40 preschools around australia from northern territory to, to tasmania so he had all of this work already done but he said i don't know a lot about soils you know a lot about soils would you turn it into an interactive learning kit for me and i said i'll give it a shot so then I kind of had the creative reins over the soil kit and I thought, well, soil's so mundane looking, but it's so full of life. It is. And how do we how do we bring it to life? So we we made these books, illustrated books. Wow. On soils. And this is our our big teaching book. And it's got lots of, you know, interesting all of the biology that's in soils that's oh, microscopic. So it like is a microscopic view. So it's a yes. book that basically gives a microscopic view of the soil, basically. Wow, that that's is right. awesome. Yeah, and then we've designed a board game and a card game that go with that. Over 30 lesson outlines that are all interactive activities like doing a soil test or making a compost or doing soil layers or making um, clay models of soil, which is like clay art. And all of the different things and historical uses for soil that have gone throughout time. So it's, so, a so kit it's quite a big a, kit then. It's massive. It's absolutely massive. It's something that a teacher can pick up with no soil science experience and teach soils in a passionate way from kindergarten through to year six. Wow. With okay. Over, uh, over 100 hours of like reusable content. And it's all linked to the Australian curriculum. Uh, uh, awesome. Because I was going to say, so if somebody was a parent who was yep. homeschooling as well, yeah. is this, this something that's available for them to actually take on board as well? 100%. That's actually the re retack that we had to do during COVID era. Well, which was, uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. We realised that everyone's stuck at home and parents are now teaching just as much as teachers teach. So... Let's open it up. So really, this this January, February, our products are landing in in their complete form and ready to hit the market. And they'll be home kits, which are a bit smaller and a bit cheaper. And then the school kits, which are a bit larger 
for for like a, a lot of kids basically exactly. no, that's fair enough that's fair enough so okay so why do we need to i mean we've sort of touched on it but why do we need to learn about the soil why is it important that our kids learn yeah about everything that's in this soil yeah there's been so much study done on nature and its impact on health and children over the past 10 years and a lot of that study has pointed to the fact that if we want to instill pro-environmental attitudes in our children we want them to feel comfortable and happy with the earth and we want them to have good health outcomes they need to be connected to nature and they have to have a love and a passion for nature and that the people who do cultivate that throughout their life will have better health well-being development and also an empathetic connection to the natural world which then makes them want to protect it love for it care for it yeah so they'd also shown the studies in the opposite where they've indoctrinated or they've pushed the environmental movement on young children and said the rainforests are burning and the elephants are dying and the whales oh, are fucked and it's giving 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 them the bad stories basically the bad terrifying stories, them yeah of bad stuff happening out there you know it's in africa it's in the amazon and it's disempowering to his small child who just thinks well what can i do about it i'm a seven-year-old you know and so then they retreat into minecraft or they retreat into the into the synthetic world because the natural world's scary and it's you know dying well it's quite it's quite overwhelming i mean even as an adult and all of the things that are going on at the moment around global warming and the weather, um, you know, the weathers that we're getting all over the world and, you know, from the extreme, um, you know, the extreme rain that we've had and the floods yeah. and things like that. And then also like the, you know, the storms that are going through the States at the moment mm -hmm. and things they've had floods in the, in the UK where I come from, um which have just decimated areas yeah. and i go and like and in europe as well there's been um landslides and things like that in europe which are horrendous right yeah. and i go what on earth like all the people out there who are going oh nah this isn't this isn't global warming <laughs> it's just it's still i'm just going really people hello um, <laughs> how long are we gonna like keep our blinkers on um and we should be actually really worried about the effects we're having on because the soil that we've got as well as bees and animals that actually help us you know um mm. oh it's monday morning and my brain's not working but you know the animals like bees and things like that that help us actually um pollinate pollinate yeah pollinate yeah um who help us pollinate all these um all these plants and things like plants are what we eat I we know. just don't we cannot survive <laughs> on meat alone. And in fact, um, although I did go vegan last year and I sound like I'm preaching to everyone and I'm not, I, you do what you need to do. But um, in fact, like meat has been proven in a lot of scientific experiments, right, to be toxic to us and to lead to certain things like heart disease and cancers and various different things like that. So um, yeah, everything in moderation, my view, everything in moderation. If you want to eat meat, it's great, but don't have bucketfuls of it. Just like, you know, maybe only have it once a week or whatever. I don't know, twice a week. Oh, I've just gone down a massive rabbit <laughs> hole, sorry. That's fine. 
but yeah so so but what you're saying is that what they found is the doom and gloom picture um it's not very yeah. good it's not it's not helpful people feel as though they're um people and children adults and children feel as though they can't actually contribute yeah yeah exactly and so giving people the tools to actually help themselves here and now actually in their environment where they live is probably the best way to go yes forward. and the tools for that really is developing passion developing curiosity developing awe and wonder and uh, yeah that real that real curiosity leads us through life and if we can really cultivate that for children then all of the other stuff comes naturally later because their curiosity leads and they you know the wonder and the beauty and all that's available all the time and it actually makes our nervous system feel better makes us feel at home the more we play in nature and natural environments the more we develop our nervous system and especially for young bodies they need lots of time to develop their spine and their abdominals and their touching and sensing and feeling connections so any time that's spent on a screen in a 2d type of land we're missing out on social interaction we're missing out on sensory development our balance system being developed our hearing system being developed our empathetic connection to other animals and plants and where are the boundaries in life too you know if we go into the woods and we and we smash up a bunch of mushrooms on the ground well we realize that they don't easily go back together like they do in a video game they're, they're dead now you know and these are the sort of safe ways in which children can explore boundaries and things with the very you know lenient mother earth um to to find out well what's what's the meaning of life and death yeah and and i think we need to get kids more out into nature out along the trails out you know at the beach um experiencing yeah. because um it's just getting out there like and, and i know you touched on it a little while ago and um about the microbiome and stuff like that i mean there's such a diverse microbiome in the soil but mm. one of there's such a diverse microbiome within us and one of the ways that mm. we're losing um our microbiome as such or we're in um promoting the evil nasty microbes within our body that cause illness and disease is because we're not getting in to dirt as it were and you know digging the garden or you know getting involved in um things like growing plants um from mm. a young age from as a child or whatever because that's what you know you get into it it gets on our skin it goes into our bodies and and that's what promotes our health isn't it yeah do have you done anything so do you talk about the microbiome side of things in your books and stuff like that yeah in the kit yeah we do and i think it's really important that children know that there's not just bad germs we live in a culture that's very germ phobic um which has only gotten worse and you know there's so many things that keep us alive where 90 90 of our bodies and everything are viral and bacterial and fungal dna so really we're just this host for a whole bunch of symbiotic creatures that keep us running and keep us moving along and keep us digesting and all of this stuff 
Yeah, and it is. It's absolutely fascinating, and I think it's actually mind-blowing, but we've got to bring it back down to the children and make them aware of it so that they'll, you know, lead this world hopefully with that knowledge at the front of our awareness rather than on the back seat of like, yeah, we'll learn about microbes. Just hang on, honey, I've got to spray the weed killer on everything first and then then we'll talk about the microbes. <laughs> I know. Don't go there. Don't go there. I'm using boiled water, bo so a kettle of boiling water oh, yep. to kill the weeds. No, because all of the stuff like... Um, I can't, we just call it weed killer. You know, Glyphosate. Local, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Yes, all of that stuff's really bad, like cancer, like cancer forming, like, you know, um, yeah. you spray it in the air, it gets on our skin, it gets in, it, we breathe it in, and mm. then and then we wonder why we're dying of loads of cancers everywhere, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the amount of uh, law cases that have you know, been filed against Monsanto is oh. very very high and it should be right because monsanto you know i'm sorry monsanto don't like you monsanto <laughs> in the states is horrendous I don't, mm. and um i'm not so sure with australia do you know the situation as you know a lot about the soil but like do we actually aren't there some aren't there weed killers or fertilizers and things that we use in australia that we shouldn't be using oh, that are actually 100%. Yeah. That, that are actually banned in Europe. I think they're banned <laughs> in Europe, aren't they? Yet Australia we're still is very using. Backwards. Australia is very backwards agriculturally. It's a real shame because we've got such potential as a land to be world leaders in soil and land awareness. Um, I hope that it happens one day, but really all national parks and all of the, you know, environmental protectors out there are still using Roundup on everything, using glyphosate. And their, their philosophy is that there's all these non-native plants in our forest, so therefore we've got to go around spraying non-native invasive plants. But it's like, well, you're spraying non-native invasive plants, but you're killing all of the native microbes and and ruining the soil around. So, you know, what's and, the and go? But and that's right, and you're right, right? It's not about just killing the plants, right? It kills the microbes that are in mm. the plants, right? Yeah. Oh, that are in the soil, right? So then we have a soil that isn't fertile for anything. So, yeah. and that's when it turns to dust, and when we've got real problems with, like, you know, being able to grow anything. Yeah. Um, and then the flooding yeah. gets worse. The yes. flooding gets worse. The landslides, the um, general quality of the soil, worse and worse. And the pests come up too. So in harsher climatic conditions, you get more mozzies, you get more flies, you get more viruses, parasites. I know. It's nuts, isn't it? It's nuts. I don't know. The old, <laughs> yeah, in, um, in 1995, up, I think it was up until 2003, the definition for soil health that dated way back, back into the 60s, at university, the definition for soil health was soil's health is dictated by its ability to grow corn soy wheat and cotton but that's and, what is that yeah. four plants it's only four plants yeah four very popular plants and then they changed it in 2005 to the health of the soil is determined mostly determined by its biodiversity so they updated their their thinking there about 15 years ago, don't quote me on the exact date, but um, 
look, now, now the universities recognize, okay, health of soil is determined by biodiversity. So how come it's not still happening in the parks? If, if national parks had read the literature, they wouldn't be out there with the spray bottle. They'd be encouraging biodiversity, and that would include biodiversity of plants. We can't go around protecting natives from all of the seeds that have come in from overseas. We've just got to accept the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, you know, and deal with it, like yank them out or whatever. Like we have to pull them out or whatever. But like also um, in spraying, so is it so using um, in promoting a biodiverse environment, right? Yeah, wouldn't that, isn't that cheaper than just buying a load of weed killer and spraying? Because then you're planting forests or planting, food, you know, you're going around and pulling out the food and stuff like that food what am i talking about i've got food on the brain at the moment it's probably because i haven't had breakfast <laughs> but like um you're pulling out the plants that aren't natives or whatever yeah um instead of spraying them and then and enhancing australian soil right which yeah. should be enhanced with certain microbes to enable yeah. the natural plants of this country to grow am i right i don't know you no, I, you're I'd right make it sound simple but <clears throat> there's there's a bit to it and there's some groups who are doing work like the Tals Institute with Peter Andrews and regenerative agriculture and then also all the permaculture communities who understand that with a bit more planning and a bit more foresight, we can actually create what they call a polyculture, which is many plants and many animals all working in the one environment to create an abundance of food. But for commercial interests, and they want to grow lots of corn and soy and wheat so that they can come along with a big tractor and harvest it all at once, yeah. whack it in a silo and put it in a truck. And it's really convenient method of farming to do monoculture stuff, but it limits biodiversity, it ruins the soil, and it's not as nutritious. So, yeah, I mean, there's trade-offs for commercial interests, and but in, in the long term, they're going to have to reorient their practices to develop better methods or we're all stuffed so how do we as parents help our children apart from obviously getting these soil kits but how do we help our children and educate our children um into how important um soils are um uh, biodiversity and all of those sort of things how do we how do we help them is it by buying organic veggies and look at the end of the day some of these organic veggies are expensive is it supporting yeah. farmers markets which yeah. are a cheaper way of um so you're supporting the local farmers but it's a cheaper way of actually getting your veggies and you know your veggies are like you know not real um yeah they're real that's right they're real veggies not um oh my brain um not fake ones <laughs> Oh, good. I like breakfast too, to be honest. So I'm, oh. glad I, I'm glad I had mine this morning. But oh, I don't. I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> yeah, true. No. Yeah. Yeah, look, I reckon that it is parents. It is parents, mentors and teachers who are the leaders of children. And we lead by example. So, you know, where do our passions lie when it comes to nature? Where is the spot in which we can go, Oh, you know what? I love walking in the woods on the weekend or I love gardening or I love birds or I love crystals and make a 
make a passion out of it, make a hobby out of it and show by example that, you know, we're parents and stuff who do care and who do give us stuff and we think about things and, you know, we're oriented behind wanting to connect to the earth and wanting to connect to this beautiful life ourselves. So I think that's probably the biggest starting point is actually just being a parent, being a mum, being a dad who who cares and who also themselves cultivates a passion and cultivates a curiosity and cultivates a love and a presence for the natural world. That goes, it speaks way more than any words or any concepts or any intellectualization of nature than we can hope to achieve. Yeah. The other point I'd say to, to parents is ask more questions. So oftentimes we put ourselves in the position of being the fact bearer who's got, you know, the facts and if we don't know a fact, we'll go to Google or something like that. But oftentimes curiosity is developed through questioning. So a child might say, hey, mum, why is the sky blue? And then instead of saying, well, look, honey, it's light refraction and it's coming in through the sun and it's got, you know, the light bends through the atmospheric pressures and it creates. The- I yeah. probably wouldn't say that, but I'm loving that you've actually given the correct answer. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> we go. Just is. All right. Yeah. Just, yeah, just is. All right. <laughs> that might be the other way, you know. Just is. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, no, that's okay. No, no, no. You're right. But, you did um, it the right way. No, maybe not the right way. You know, I think that's maybe it's the factually correct way, but the right way with children can sometimes be, oh, that's really interesting, honey. I'm not sure. What what do you think? Why would it be blue and not green? Or or maybe we can find out. Let's find out together. Yeah. You know, and that creates yeah. this. We do do we do do that a lot. Me and my son do that a lot. Admittedly, that's where we go to Google God and we um we Google it and then we look at some YouTube videos on it. Right. But you know that's where it's but that's where it helps. That's right? So yeah, and I was trying to explain to him about um there's good bacteria in you and there's bad bacteria in you or m- microbes in you, and that eating sugar and sweets and chocolate and things like that means that all the bad bacteria is getting fed and you want to feed the good bacteria, which means you've got to eat your blooming asparagus and your <laughs> carrots and your broccoli. And so, yeah, and trying to actually um, educate him that way. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I'd say say they're the main things, really just just leading by example and stimulating that curiosity through through questions and open-ended learning and experiential learning. You know, if we can create an activity that's like art with fallen leaves or rocks or twigs, then that's better than drawing on a sheet. Or if we can cook dinner, but we're chopping up the veggies and we're just chopping up veggies outside and we're looking at the sunset and going, hey, that's nice today. And Did you notice that bird and stuff? Or, you know, on the weekend, you know, let's go for a walk up a mountain and it only takes an hour or something, but those little touch points of nature throughout the week, the little doses of nature in the home, maybe we're bringing in plants into our into our home and looking after things. Yeah, it goes a really, really long way. Yeah, yeah. Just getting out and actually um, taking a tent and going out and yeah, camping somewhere. Massive. And doing, like it's an adventure. It's a massive adventure for a kid. So, um, 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's definitely what I'm considering doing in the next year, just getting out there. Now we can get out there. It's it's contrast too, isn't it? So children are going to be exposed to all sorts of experiences throughout their child. So they should be because you want them to give a diverse taste of life. But if they don't have the contrast of going out in the woods and not having an iPad and not having your normal munchy foods and not having the Netflix on, then they don't know what that world feels like. But if you can give them that three days in nature, even once a year or even once in a childhood, they will remember that time. Yeah. And it becomes a contrast and an anchor towards a different set of emotions, feelings, thoughts, and ideas that throughout their adulthood, if they ever get in strife and they get caught up just living in the mainframe and, you know, stress and the desk job and the it's matrix. in the matrix grind, that, that that's the memory that will speak to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I agree with you. It's getting them out and getting them about getting off those bloody iPads that drive <laughs> me insane. Yeah. Um, so, look, where can people get in touch with you if they want to? So, are you know, I know you've got the soil kit coming out yeah. in January. Um, uh, the other kits that you've got, the gems and the metals and things, are they still available too? So, if they wanted to do a whole like you know year on this, no, I tell you, I tell you what, because we've been a, a startup, we've done a yeah. lot of product testing, and oh, we've okay. basically all of our kits have been just two schools directly that we're working with about 50 schools from from them we've gained consolidated feedback developed our second round of products now the soil kit is our flagship product that we're taking wrapping up selling and then showing investors around june next year of hey this is what we've done We've got all these in development. Do you want to fund us so that we can go to scale and we can increase our impact? So we're sort of a nimble startup. But if people want to touch base with us and see what we've got going, we've got the Soil Illustrated book that comes with a board game that's available now. Also, my book, Connecting Children to Nature, which is for teachers and mentors on how they want to weave nature into their own practice or home or classroom. And I've got... Uh, health health coaching for families and health coaching for individuals, which is basically holistic lifestyle and environmental awareness for families and individuals. And we've got a podcast, so I'm constantly interviewing yes. people. Sorry, yes. <laughs> uh, you're, you'll be up there. I've got an episode recorded with you, ready to, to rock out soon enough. And uh, we get lots of fascinating, passionate mums passionate teachers passionate dads uh passionate nature entrepreneurs onto the podcast to just share the message so yeah we're always producing stuff and we've got more digital courses coming out next year but the soil kits definitely uh very very on my on my plate at the moment <laughs> yeah no and i think it's look i think it's really really important um like uh the soil um that we have in the world is shocking. I've I've watched. Well, there is. There's a there's a there's a documentary I think out there which is about soil itself, yep. and I can't think. Um, wasn't it Woody? Here we go. This is this is where I've gone. Oh, and it's on my Netflix list or whatever, which is really bad. But somewhere. So there's a one about soil. And I think it's Woody Harrelson, okay. who, uh, the movie star, who basically um, has a movie documenting 
soil of all things but because it's so important and because of mass um commercial farming of cattle and wheat and all the stuff that you've mentioned right um that um he basically there's people in america now that are going no this is not what we should be doing Mm. we are going to kill you know we're going to be farming nothing soon because of all of these you know things that you know you've got out there and so there's a there's a movie out there and apologies um i should really google it while i'm saying all about this but there's a movie out there that woody house i think it's woody harson um that's done oh, my research is terrible um so i'll check it out where can people get in touch with you, Got you. regarding um regarding all of this do yeah. you have a website yes, what's have a website. Um, where's so where we're www.liferocks.com.au and then Instagram is life rocks underscore Oz, A-U-S, Oz. And yeah, you can find the podcast on Spotify. So the Life Rocks podcast on Spotify, or if you want to watch it on YouTube, sometimes we do video recordings of, cool. of that. Cool, cool, cool. So the Life Rocks podcast on YouTube. And uh, the yeah, a couple of books on Amazon, but the books are available to buy through our website. and. Yeah, if you go onto our website, you can sign up to our newsletter, get a few free resources, and also we'll let you know whenever any kits are coming out. So after Soils is out, we've got all the stock ready to go for Crystals, and Crystals will be launching sometime next year as well. Yeah. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Sorry, and I did just do a little Google while you were saying about where you are. It's called Kiss the Ground. It's a documentary. It was Woody Harrelson, awesome. so I was right. Okay. Um, it came out in 2020. There you go. Things. Nice. And it's only an hour and 24 minutes. Okay. Ooh, just lovely. reading everything off of my Google. But, um, kiss so the it's ground. like it's kiss the kiss ground. The ground. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's about, it's interviewing scientists, activists, farmers, politicians about regenerative agriculture, basically, which is sort of what we've yeah. been talking about and about saving the planet's topsoil. Because, um, if we don't do that, and also in saving the ground's topsoil, we actually may slightly reverse or help to reverse climate change. Yeah. So there's all of these things that, you know, we can start to do. And we've got to start sitting up and doing this mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, so it's not all just about plastics, but it, we, we need to start, you know, supporting these people, supporting our local farmers who do this sort of thing. Yeah. Go to our farmer's markets. Farmer's markets, fantastic, wonderful things. We need to have more of them. Yeah. Um, so we can do that. So, okay. Thank you so much My for pleasure. this. I mean, I could talk about soil, which sounds really bo- like, sounds really boring, but it's not. <laughs> because soil, like I could talk about soil all day, right? Yeah, because same. soil to me is really fascinating. And I don't, I just don't, I think it's the tip of the iceberg. Mm. And um, if we don't get that stuff right, then you know, we're just doomed. Doomed. Totally. But look. And, um, and it's where all food comes from and everyone loves exactly. food. And well, and also even if you eat meat, right, these creatures eat plants. Right. So, so if we, if they, yeah. If, yeah. Bigger, bigger animals came from smaller animals and all, yeah. and originally everything was a tiny, tiny microbe. And that's how the soil was made. And then we're synthesized from soil. So we're sort of like big walking bags of soil that just look prettier than, you know, the rest of it. So, yeah, think about that. 
Wow. Well, you're <laughs> right. You are right. Okay. And I think I like, I, I'm hoping we're moving in the right direction of actually, you know, getting a better education about how, you know, microbiome and, and our worlds are actually going and people are writing books about this stuff now. And it's not just about um, giving people a pill and then going, right, see you later. Here's a pill. Now go away. And we're learning about Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, depression. Depression is a major, like, mega. major, mega thing, right? All this, I'm not saying that all of the mental illnesses and things like that can be solved by actually diet, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of ones that are big, uh, big maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, my view is, you know, it, it's, it's enhanced. So enhanced by improving your diet, basically, yeah. is to enhance your mental um, and your positivity in the world is to, you know, maybe feeding ourselves all these chemicals isn't doing us any good. Let's put it that way. No. And I, and it's really quite funny what you said at the beginning because <laughs> my son's going to have an epiphany because come the new year, that's it. I'm doing away with, I'm going completely clean in the fact that I've been doing vegan for a year, but I've gone, right, that's it. No packets, no packets of anything, right? So, um, yeah, I've just got to do a little bit of research in December to try and figure out what that means. Sure. But, um, yeah, no, it's all good, which will be fun with a seven-year-old. But anyway, who cares? Yeah, um, that's totally, I mean. It's better for him. Lead, it's better yeah. for me. It's better for him. You'll so, lead by example. Yeah, yeah. You have to give a bit of tough exactly. love, but he'll be better for it. Yeah. It'll be a bit more hard work for me, though. But, you know, hey, it's okay. We'll be healthier in the end. Yeah. So my final question. Yes. Now I can stop rambling on. My final question to you would be, if you could recommend a book mm. to my listeners, what would it be? And it can't be any of your books. Fair enough. Or fair your enough. your soil stuff. What would it be? What would it be to educate our I would listeners? I think that a a seminal seminal work, that's the that's the word, isn't it? A I very know. important book of the whole nature and children movement is by Richard Louvre, and that's right. Louvre spelt L-O-U-V, Richard Louvre, and it's called Last Child in the Woods. And it's basi wow. basically a full-spectrum view of nature philosophy and its impact on childhood development and learning. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So he's sort of one of the leaders, I'd say, of of the movement and yeah someone who i'd be you know getting getting my copy of his book signed if i was ever around like a little fanboy <laughs> yeah no that's cool that's cool like it's been fascinating because i think i mean this god and i'm going to mention it again but this um oh what's it called oh down to earth i think it's called the sac efron thing because it was australia mm. um my son was a little bit maybe more interested than if it was somewhere else randomly. And he's at that age. So, yeah. I wonder, see, Asha, we need to, maybe you and I need to get together and create a game that means that they've got to plant stuff and they've got to grow and they've got to learn about soil and stuff like that. And it's a computer game. And then, then we can have best of both worlds. Like they'd be sucked into the iPad, but sucked in learning about soil and bits and pieces like that. You're that's right. A computer game. And that's something I'm really interested in moving forwards is, is wow, work. There we go. And I've got some friends who are very into video game production and they make Xbox games and they do all that stuff. And cool. they love nature too. So we're trying to collaborate now and yeah. bring the worlds together. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because I don't think we're going to get these kids off the Xboxes or Playstations or iPads, right? No. But, however, um, if we can try and give them more educational stuff, and look, Minecraft was simple. Um, although yeah. the Minecraft guy who created Minecraft's not the most happiest of people by True. the sounds of it. But anyway, um, <laughs> thank you for that. My thank pleasure. you for coming on board. Yeah, um, yeah. I hope um, you get loads of these soil kits sent out to schools, sent out to parents and stuff like that, because I think it's a really important thing that we need to start really looking at what we're doing to our planet and our earth. Mm. Um, and it's not all about doom and gloom, and it's not all about, uh, you know, we can do these little things. It's not, you know, we can make a difference. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So thank you. My absolute pleasure, Claire. Yeah. And um, yeah, thanks for having me on. And I, hope that next time we chat there's you know lots of lots to talk about and how the reception went down for all the soil kits but yeah we you know we live in a world that needs you know passionate people and adults and teachers and mums and dads more than ever and um, yeah you know life's beautiful no matter where we are on that road I think you know even yeah. even if we're staring down the battle barrel of a ecological apocalypse maybe it's what it's going to take to bring people, let's end on a happy note. People Asha, together, <laughs> you know, it'll bring people together. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, no, that's okay. No, it, look, and also all of the things that we've been talking about, getting out in nature and doing all of those sort of things, they don't cost any money whatsoever. Mm. It isn't about paying a thousand bucks or whatever. You no. know, you can get out and you can just go for a walk, go for a drive, go for a walk, go down the beach, yeah. have a look at you know, stuff on the beach, totally. which hopefully is not rubbish. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, that's cool. Thanks look, so. again, thank you. And, uh, yeah, look, you and I will hopefully talk soon. Yeah, great. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hello, I'm Con. And I'm Stav. And, and we're we Eddie Nucky. You're listening to Radio Karam. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nights. IGA where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker.